morning. You may be seated. <laughs> Welcome to Oakwood Community Church. If you would, just take a second and say good morning to someone down the road from you. You can just wave at them. Extra bonus points if you don't know the person. I don't know how we're going to keep track of points, but we definitely should do that at some point. <laughs> Uh, we're glad that you're here with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, welcome. My name is Pastor Ben. Uh, I get to be the youth pastor here, which just means I work with our middle school uh, through our college-age kids. And if we haven't gotten a chance to meet, I would love the chance just to say hello. Uh, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're uh, able to be here in this warm building uh, with us for the Sunday morning service. Uh, we have a lot going on this morning, uh, so just try to keep up with us because we're going to be moving a little bit fast. Uh, but one thing that you guys can think about right now is we have our communion today. Uh, generally, the first Sunday of every month, we try to uh, do communion together as a church. Um, and we, as a church, uh, what, oh, we celebrate what we call open communion. Uh, and all that means is that you don't have to be a member of Oakwood. You just have to be a member of God's family. Um, so uh, if you would like to take communion with us today as a church, we have communion at the back of the room. Uh, and at any point during the singing this morning, feel free to go back there and grab one of those for yourself. Um, we're going to pray as we get going this morning. We have a fireside chat from PD. We have a special uh, guest who's a missionary with us this morning. So we'll pray and we'll keep moving. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning just excited that um, you are in this place with us. Uh, we get to celebrate you this morning. We get to worship you this morning. Uh, we get to hear a message this morning. Uh, and Father, as we go through that together as a church, we just ask that you would bring us closer together. Uh, as we finish this series on prayer, that you would uh, invigorate our prayer life, that you would um, just open our heart to what that might mean this morning. So, Father, we love you, we thank you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Please stand with us again. We're going to sing that song again, House of the Lord. Just going to shout out our praise this morning. We refuse to be quiet. Worship him.
that you're with us today. If you didn't come, we don't know how we would get all that salt out of the parking lot into the building. Oh, it's my nemesis. People, when you have OCD and you got those salt stains in the, and I'm mopping and I'm mopping and I'm mopping. And then it's, when you mop, it looks beautiful. And then it dries and it's a white salt. So if, if you're OCD like me and you're like, why aren't these people taking care of their lobby? I'm trying. I'm trying. I really do. Well, we're glad you're here and we put salt down to keep you safe. And that's the most important thing. I love the song we just sang, Our God is Able. The song before that had a line, uh, like prisoners, now we're running free. You ever remember that game Jailbreak when you were a kid, tag, like freeze tag, and you had to go to jail? And remember if somebody on your team came and tagged you, everybody got free. It was jailbreak. Everybody went free. And, and I, I couldn't help but just, I picture that in my mind today when they were singing the song, like pr- prisoners were running free. It's like somebody came in and tagged and we're all free to run. And we just, <laughs> oh, isn't that good that our God is able and he saved us. And he declared jailbreak from death and an eternity separated from him. He declared jailbreak. And so I hope you're running free this morning. That's why we come to the table. Uh, the table's actually in the back now, not up front, but the table, the Lord's table. And we celebrate. Uh, we, we do this once a month to d- remind ourselves, the Bible says, but to celebrate what we have in salvation. Ben already explained we, we do open communion here. You don't need to be a member of Oakwood, but definitely you need to be a member of God's family. There needs to be a time in your life when you've said, God, I I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Savior and Lord. If you've prayed a prayer like that and said, God, save me, then you're part of the family of God and you've been set free. And so we come to the table this morning remembering that we don't want to do it lightly. The Bible does say in 1 Corinthians, whosoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Then it goes on to say, so let a person examine themselves. How could you possibly come to this table in an unworthy manner? We all know that we come unworthy. There's nothing you can do on your own to earn it, deserve it. But I think what this talking about here is how do we come to this table that represents his body and his blood that was shed for us and we don't take care of the sin that we already know we have. You don't come to that table with that sin. It's time to confess that and make things right with him. And so I'll give you just a moment as Meg plays the piano this morning 
just to have a word with God. And if there's anything in your life that you know is not right, take a moment and just ask him to forgive you. Make that right with him, and then we'll continue on. from 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks today. It must have been amazing to be in that room with Jesus and his disciples as he began to break bread, a, a sign of fellowship and a actual uh, a way of proposal in the Jewish culture breaking bread he gave thanks Lord before he went to the cross he gave thanks for the gift he gave thanks for the provision that he himself would become and so Father we thank you for this body which is broken for us Jesus went on to say in verse 24 this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me partake In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Father, we thank you today for the representation we have in this juice. God, we do this to remember. God, help us never to forget our freedom. The jailbreak that you offered us wasn't free. It wasn't cheap. It cost uh, the Son of God's life. We thank you for the plan. We thank you that it was consummated. We thank you that it was finished and done well. And we know we have confidence today that Jesus rose again, defeating death and sin once for all. But we recognize it took his shed blood in our place, Father. The cross was for us. The, the, the nails were for us. And yet he took our place. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Partake. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God bless you today. A bunch of prisoners being set free. Let's celebrate that. Continue to worship. Stand with us. A question for you. Is he worthy? He is. Of all blessing and honor and glory. Lamentation says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
My name is Tim. If you don't know me, Tim May. I've been a member here since 2015, actually when PD came in. I moved here from upstate New York, and today, this morning, I'm bringing a friend to you guys, uh, a friend I met in Rochester, New York. We went to church together. He is now a missionary in Africa. So, But I want you to do this and do an Oakwood welcome. Everybody say jumbo. Jumbo. No, no, no. Jumbo. All right, so I'm going to introduce Dave and bring him up, but I would like you to say, Jumbo, David. Jumbo, David. That's Swahili, by the way. Morning, everyone. So my name is David Heed. My wife is Michelle. She sends her greetings to you and our daughter, Olivia. You can put up the slideshow. So you can see my wife and my daughter. There we are. <laughs> so we're missionaries uh, in Tanzania, Africa. Jumbo is a greeting. It means, how are you? Or hi. Really, literally, it means issues. Do you have any issues? That's how they greet each other. And then you say, see Jumbo. That means, no, I don't have any issues. Right? In Tanzania, no worries, right? Hakuna, hakuna Matata. <laughs> All right, so uh, go ahead to the next slide. Uh, we focus on children's ministries. 
So what we do is these children's evangelical feeding programs. We meet with the children. We have a service with them. We feed them rice and beans. And uh, I just wanted to let you know, if I was standing here a year ago or two years ago, you, you would have seen way less of those villages represented. It's, it's massively grown. It's like sweeping across Tanzania. You know why? Because other pastors and leaders in Tanzania are getting the vision for it. And they said, what, you're doing that? Well, I could do that. So they start doing their own. And then others are like, well, wait, you're doing it? Well, I'm going to do it. I can't have you do it and me not do it. So then they do it. And what we see is it's a great open door to reach the families for Christ. Many children have received the Lord, and even families, mothers, fathers, even Muslim families have received Christ through this ministry. So those are all the different villages that we're in now. There's 12 of them, and I'm even behind because this week we're opening up a 13th one, uh, so I can't even keep up with my, uh, with my pictures. So go ahead to the next one. Uh, 3,000 kids reached. Those are actually hands of children going up saying, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. So we captured that moment. Go ahead. And these are just examples of families, mothers, fathers, uncles. Some of them are Muslim. They've come to the Lord through the children. And what they do is they see the, ch- the difference. They see the change in the child. And they're like, what is that? I want that. Why are you different than the rest of us? Why are you so free from your jail, right? The jailbreak. And so they want it. So they start coming to church, and then they get changed. Amen? All right, this is the team. And what I want to encourage all of you today, because I never come before a group of people with the assumption like, hey, look at me, I'm the missionary, and you guys are watching me. I'm with the assumption that we are all missionaries. You are planted right here in Oakwood. And uh, is it Ortonville? Yeah, Ortonville. You guys are planted here in Ortonville, and you are a missionary. You are planted on purpose. You know that, that you're living on purpose? You're not living on accident. Well, this is just happening to me. No, you are strategically, divinely planted here to reach your community. Amen? So I'm always coming with the assumption we're in this together. Okay? We all have our mission. We're all missionaries. We're all uh, doing what we're doing on purpose. And uh, what my encouragement to you is make sure you have a team. We're not supposed to be Lone Ranger Christians. Always form a team around you. If you don't have a team, Lord, who's supposed to be my team? Who's supposed to be doing this mission with me? Who's supposed to be doing this ministry with me? Who's supposed to be doing this project that I'm working on with me? And God has put this team uh, together. This I, I can't even begin to describe to you how valuable each one of those people are. They traveled around with me to different villages, and uh, some of these guys are starting their own kids' programs. I had the guy in black in the center with the hat backwards. His name is Filbert. He and Kelvin, Kelvin's all the way up to the right. Looks like he's frowning. I don't know why he's frowning. I think he's being goofy, actually. They're actually starting their own kids' program. They said, David, we want to start this program. And if, if you support half of it, we'll carry the other half of it. I'm like, What? Guys, that's like $100 a month that they're going to carry. But they can do it, and they want to do it. And this is what I'm seeing now. Because the old model of missionaries is the missionary comes, and everybody expects the missionary to carry everybody, financially speaking. 
You know, think if I go out to dinner with you. What's the assumption if we say nothing? The assumption is I'm going to pay for me and you're going to pay for you, right? But there, (laughs) if you go out to dinner, the assumption is the missionary is going to pay for everybody if you say nothing. But what I'm seeing with this team is they are owning it for themselves and they want skin in the game. They want to give out of what they have. And what they have is little, but what that little is, they give. So I thank God so much for that amazing team. My encouragement to you guys, make sure you have a team. Amen? All right, go ahead. We're building a school. This is one of those impossible dreams. If you were to say, uh, David, what qualifications do you have for building a school? I would say, uh, uh. <laughs> I was a teacher. I was a music teacher. But I have no qualifications to build and run an entire school. It's one of those impossible dreams where it's like, I can't. Okay, now let's go do it. By the grace of God. So started in like 2014. We got up one building, the one closest to us here uh, in that picture is the kindergarten building. The one further away is the first grade building. You can go to the next slide. And we're currently on the second grade building. It's got the walls up. doesn't have the roof yet, but that's where we're at. And as little by little as funds come in, we just do the next step. We're going to go all the way to seventh grade. Right now we function as a tutoring center. So you can just kind of scan through these pictures all the way to sixth grade and stop. So uh, it's, we're not a registered school yet because it's not built yet, but... That doesn't mean that we sit on our hands. We can still tutor the kids after their elementary school. They come to us, and we teach them English. English is important to know because their high school is all in English, and they don't know how are you when they get to high school. Can you imagine (laughs) going to a science class and hearing, the mitochondrion is the powerhouse of the cell, and you don't know how are you? That's going to be tough, isn't it? So the Tanzanian government made high school all in English. They don't know English. So I started with kindergarten with them so that they can, when they get into high school, they know it. They're comfortable with it. They'll rise up above their peers, and they'll be the future leaders of Tanzania. Amen? Is that a good big vision? All right. Lord, help us get us there, right? Uh, the, the last feature of our mission that I'm going to share with you today is our health insurance distribution now, we just, I was there in October, went around to all these villages, all 12 of them. We gave out health insurance to the families. What it is, the government gives it out for $15 for a whole year. Would you like to pay $15 for your health insurance for the whole year? And what it entitles them is the whole family is covered for free medicine all year long. doesn't matter how many times you use it. It doesn't ding you when you use it. It's all year. And uh, so we were able, look at the bottom there, 1,027 families will receive free medicine for one whole year. And what we did is we said, if you bring your $5, meaning the Tanzanian family, if you bring your $5, we'll match it with 10. So that way we could help to afford uh, to help all of those families. I interviewed a bunch of people. I said, does this really actually work? Because we did this last year. I said, does it actually work? Did you go to the clinic? Did you show your health insurance card? Was, did they give you a hassle? Was there bribery? Was there corruption? Was there anything? All the people I interviewed, they said, no hassle, no bribery, no corruption. I would show my card, and I would get my medicine, and I'd go home. So it really does work in actual 
like it plays out and it works. Praise God. I had one woman, she testified, she said she used it every single month. There was always somebody sick in her family every single month. She went, sometimes twice a month, she used her card, they gave her free medicine every single time. No hassle. Praise the Lord. So, how can I join the team? Uh, This is a question for you guys. How can I join the team? What I'm asking for, each one of you to search your heart. We are looking for people to partner with us on a monthly basis, any number that's on your heart that you can consistently do, if that's you. If you feel like you want to be a part of what God is doing in Tanzania, please see me afterward at the table, and I'll be happy to explain more. We're from Elam Fellowship, and that's my email there, so you can get updates. Thank you so much, and God bless all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I speak English, and high school science was hard. So I can't imagine that. So before we go into our message today, I want to follow up with more information about opportunities. We always want to give you opportunities. So I'm doing a quick fireside chat this morning. And this one comes on behalf of House of Providence, which I'm sure our missions team will be bringing them before us pretty soon. Uh, But it just so happens we have an opportunity coming up I want to share with you. I just received this letter this week, so I'm just going to read part of it for you this morning. Dear Oakwood Community Church, it's been another year of growth at the House of Providence. We continue to see miracles in our girls and boys programs. As our incredible kids find hope and healing, we have seen children transformation into forever families as the global pandemic eases. It is such an honor to witness the beauty of children who have never known felt safety, begin to trust, come to life, and thrive. This is exactly the kind of thing that your gifts support. As you know, we serve Michigan's most vulnerable and traumatized children who, as a result of their extreme abuse and neglect, are not yet able to assimilate into a traditional family setting. We work tirelessly to earn their trust to help them stabilize and heal. We are seeking or seeing momentum building and successes are mounting. Your generosity and partnership enable us to make a difference today that will reverberate far into the future. Thank you for your commitment, donations, and partnership. That came right from Jay Dunn. Uh, We support House of Providence here locally. And so our opportunity is one that you need to start thinking about. Uh, A senior at Oxford High School contacted us and asked if uh, he could do his uh, capstone project. You might know this. We've had students here uh, from our church that have had to do their capstone project. Uh, It's something to help the community. And uh, this senior asked if he could host it in our building. And I said yes, because it was for the House of Providence. And uh, I'll just tell you real quickly what it's about. The event will be on Saturday, April 23rd. I know you're saying that's a long way off. Uh, But the event happens here in our church, April 23rd, but they need the donations turned in by April 1st, and that'll come faster. And so here's what he's doing. Uh, He is asking for, well, the night, the the actual event will include a live concert, snacks, a speech from the representative of House of Providence, an auction, and more. This is where I'm looking for community's uh, help. We need items for the auction. We need snacks and more if you'd like to uh, give back. Include, included is a list of items needed as well as House of Providence mission. 
uh, I appreciate on your help in advance. So this flyer is available today. It's out there in the lobby. I would encourage us as a church to take this flyer now and consider how can I be a part of this event, not just coming to the event, uh, but maybe providing a gift basket for free that he can then auction off or gift cards or uh, t- tickets to a concert. Those kind of things is what he's looking for. And uh, maybe you'll say, I'll bring food for this. He's got a list of food items. So I would like our church to get involved in this. It does uh, benefit our House of Providence. So I thought it was great with our mission. And I'd encourage you to take part in that. Um, consider that today. Let's go ahead and move to the, the video for the series and we'll move on. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Everybody say, I pray. pray. Everybody say, so that. that. We're looking at four of Paul's prayer where he uses that that, uh, recurring theme. He says, I pray, and then he gives what he prays for, and then he tells why. The so that. And there ought to always be a so that. And so Paul's prayer, the first week we talked about, I pray. Strength for the believer so that they would know the all-surpassing love of God. How deep, how wide, how far is the love of God. Then he said in the second week, I pray that you're, um, uh, you're be effective in your outreach. Effectiveness in sharing the gospel, right? And that was the second week. The third week was I pray for complete unity so that the world would know. It's been good looking at these prayers of Paul to see what was important to Paul. Last week, actually, his prayer was similar to prayer that Jesus gave. I pray that the body of Christ would be completely unified so that the world would know. We have an opportunity that the world would know the wonderful news of the gospel, the jailbreak uh, that, that God provides every person. This week uh, in our prayer series, the big idea is the key to knowing what is best is knowing God. How do you make decisions? How do you make decisions? During one of the songs they sang in the last set, uh, it was talking about great is your faithfulness. And then it talked about situations where difficulties come. How do you know you're making the right choice? That's what we'll be talking about this morning. Would you pray with me? I'd ask you to pray this prayer. You don't have to say anything out loud. But just say, God, if there's or sense there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give God that prayer. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and I pray that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a a good series talking about prayer. We're wrapping it up today. This is the last message in the uh, four-part series. And next week, you're blessed to have Jeff Moore, correct? You, You better start getting ready to preach, Jeff. You better start getting ready. Your elder here at our church, Jeff, will be preaching next week. You as a church are letting me go to speak at Camp Barakel. I'm looking forward to do that. Julie will be with me as I speak on the road next weekend. And then the following weekend, you'll have Pastor Ben as I take off. What? What? (laughs) 
I'll get a, I'll write something out for them to say. They'll be fine. No, they're great. Uh, I'll be traveling that week. Uh, two weeks from now, we leave and then we go to Hilton Head, South Carolina. So pray for me as I suffer on the golf courses and all of that. You know, I just got to suffer for Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Philippians 1, 9 and 10. The key to knowing what is best is knowing God. I'm going to read this passage where you'll see Paul's I pray so that, and we'll be talking about this. How do I know I'm making the right decision? Or how do I make a big decision? How do I know it's best? One of the things as a pastor I realize is people often come and they they want me to to talk with them about a, a scenario or situation they're experiencing. And some people actually want me to give them the answer. Uh, and I've got a principle. I never tell you what God wants you to do because that's not my responsibility. And, and if you find spiritual leaders that tell you, I know exactly. La, la, la. Now, there's times when you might share something and I might tell you, well, I know God does not want you to do that because it goes against his word. Right. Those are principles we're going to talk about today. But I'm not going to be able to tell you what God wants you to do. Sometimes it comes to the fact that you need to know. And how how can you know? What's best? We're going to talk about that today. Let's look at Paul's prayer in Philippians. Philippians 1, 9 through 10. And this is my prayer, I pray, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I pray that your love will abound more and more. Now, don't get confused with the love we need to have for one another. That was last week's prayer, unity. This one, he talks about the abounding uh, knowledge and insight. That What he's talking about here is a love for and of God, our love of God, not necessarily one another. How do you know what's best? You've got to know God. It'll be difficult, difficult for you as an individual to do what's right and to do what's best if you don't know what God is and who he is. The more you know him, the easier it is to do that. There's a quote from Kerry I really liked. I am, am I trusting God or simply being foolish? There's a fine line between trust and irresponsibility that's almost impossible to see. Dave gave us a great illustration today. When he stood here and said, we're building a school. Do I have any reason to think that I can build a school? None. (laughs) But we're building a school. Now, that's a great illustration. I'm thankful, Dave, that you gave us that today because this is exactly what we need to talk about. Is this foolishness or is this complete trust in God? How does he know? How does he proceed? Well, we're going to talk about the difference between Uh, knowing you're trusting in God or making a foolish mistake. And I would warn all of us that it's easy to put word into God's mouth when you really want to do something, even if it's wrong. So I have to warn you to be careful, but also to live in trust. How do you see it? How do I know? Some of you are like, Pastor, this is getting hard. I'm really concerned. I, I, I don't know. Can I see it if it's good or if it's bad, if it's right, if it's wrong, if it's best or not? 
I love this illustration. This is, for years I've used this because it, it, so many people don't know this. You, have you ever seen the FedEx logo? You see it all the time, right? If you do any driving, you're going to pass the truck on the highway. It's the FedEx logo. But how many of you know that whoever made this logo had one thing in mind? They wanted to give the impression that FedEx moves forward. FedEx is on the move. Do you see the arrow in the logo? Raise your hand if you see the, the arrow in the logo. Only about half the crowd. Let me help you. It's very clearly between the E and the X. There's a clear arrow that was not accidentally there, but designed to be there to show FedEx is moving. They move your things. They get things going. Now, what's terrible is it's, it's good on the one side of the truck, but the other side, they're going backwards. So that's not good. But there's an arrow there. See? Can you see it now? How many of you see it now? Yeah. Now, I'm going to say this, now that you've seen it, you'll always see it. Next FedEx package you get or the next truck you see, you'll say to the person in the car, do you see the arrow in the logo? Yeah, you see it because it's there. Let me tell you, as a believer, you can see it because it's there. How to make the best choice. How to know God. That's what I want to talk about this morning. How can I know God? That's what Paul said. That your love would abound more and more in insight and wisdom. How can I know God? First thing, learn God's word. Do you have an anchor verse? And I don't know, Dave, if you use this anchor verse, but it's a great anchor verse for what you're doing. You need a verse in scripture that, that, that really tells you, yes, I'm not foolish. I am moving forward and trusting God. And if God doesn't show up, it's going to be a disaster, right, Dave? And we, we know that. Anybody who ever steps out on that limb to walk on faith, if God doesn't show up, we're doomed, right? And, and, and that's why I believe churches should live in that anxiety a little bit. If we're safe and never doing something that's out there, are you living in trust? Are you living in trust? Uh, there's a great passage here. It's in Numbers I want to read it. I'll put it on the screen for you this week. Last week, I had you working hard, turning. I like that. I'd like you to bring your Bible, uh, but I'll put it on the screen for us this week. Numbers 11, 4 through 23. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. Okay, you got to have some context here, right? This is God's people. We were talking about prisoners being set free. This is a literal case where God's people were captive in Egypt. They were slaves. Everybody say slaves. They were not free. They're, they're slaves. And God set them free. Remember when he said to Moses, Moses, uh, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you don't remember that? Oh, baby, let my people go. Y'all didn't grow up in children's church, shame on you. I love that song, that was a great song. So Moses went and told Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And the whole scenario happened, you know about the plagues. And then Pharaoh lets them go, then chases them to the Red Sea, changes his mind, he goes after them. And God does that wonderful miracle. Remember we talked about that, that wonderful prophet who actually walked out. Moses walked out into the water with his rod, and, and they walked into the Red Sea. And then God parted it. And then they walked across on dry land. Well, now you've got God's people that are free, but they're still fleeing. And they've been in the wilderness, and God has wonderfully supplied now, God has given them food in the form of manna. When the dew came at night, 
the manna would also come. Bread from heaven. I, I wonder, I'm hoping when we get to heaven, they'll still have some of that uh, recipe because I want to taste manna. I want to taste it. There's a description coming of it and I, I don't quite get it. Um, maybe those who bake will say, yeah, I get it, what it would taste like. I can't quite get it. Something about olive oil and something. But uh, they make bread out of it or they'd boil it and it was food for them to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but when you eat the same thing day after day after day, that does get bland. Amen. We like variety. And it is a bread type substance. And so that's why it brings us to this first verse. The, oh, let's, let's go back to that first verse. The rabble with them began to crave other food. Yeah. And again, the Israelites started wailing. I love how the Bible says again, they started wailing. They were criers and complainers. If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Now, let me go back to the setting of the scene here. They are slaves. Everybody say slaves. They are not free. Yes, they're being fed because they want them to keep serving them. You feed them to keep them alive so they can serve you. You're not free. And here these people are complaining. God's feeding them for nothing from the sky and they're bored of it. I get that. I've been on a keto diet since the beginning of January. Amen. I've lost 15 pounds. All 15 that I gained over COVID. So I'm back to my fighting weight right now. Oh, but I hate it. I don't know if you do keto. My wife sells it on me because I can eat meat and cheese and I should never be hungry. I'm always hungry. And I've eliminated carbs. No carbs. No carbs. I love carbs. Carbs are the, the best food group there is chips and bread and oh whenever you take anything away you crave what you don't have right isn't that interesting i crave carbs i go to jimmy john's i know you love jimmy john's but i'm doing the unwitch the unwitch is a a sandwich with no bread they wrap it in lettuce it's impossible to eat it's messy you know i'm I'm like it's falling all down i just want bread I love bread. And this is the opposite. The people are like, oh, remember the fish we had at no cost. Remember the good old days when we were slaves? Oh, now put yourself in God's shoes for just a moment. How is God in heaven taking this? Is this an insult, do you think? We also ate cucumbers and melons, leeks and onions and garlics. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and and looked like resin. That doesn't sound good to me, but go ahead and move on. The people went around and gathered it and the ground in the hand mill and crushed it into a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard that the people of every family wailing at the entrance to the tents, the Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. Uh, Don't forget, this is an offense to the Lord. Now you're going to hear the one who's offended the most is Moses. Moses seems to be frustrated here. Let's continue on. He asked the Lord, Moses did, why have you brought me to this trouble on your servant? And what have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant 
to the land you promised an oath to their ancestors. Can I break this down? Basically, if you want to translate in the Hebrew into English, I ain't your mama. <laughs> That's what Moses is saying. All these people are complaining, and Moses is like, I ain't your mama. Stop complaining to me. You have food to eat. Uh, let's admit as parents. Have any parents ever said that? Stop complaining and eat it. You know, there's, there's people in Africa starving is what they used to say, right? I drink all of my coffee because there's in, people in India sleeping. And so we, we eat it. You need it. Stop complaining. Yes, it might not be your favorite, but it does supply something. And so Moses is mad. Uh, and it gets worse. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. Oh, Moses is, you know, he's pretty frustrated, don't you think? He's leading a, a rabble, that's the word used, of people who's complaining. They're crying out in front of their tents. He's frustrated because he can't fix the problem. As a leader, when you've got a problem, you can't fix the problem. That's hard. But Moses goes extra far here. You ever take it too far, you know? And he goes to God. God, number one, he blames God. Why did you make me lead these people? I'm not their mama. And number two, if this is how you're going to treat me, I love that. I'm all for being honest with God in your prayers. But Moses, come on, come on. God, if this is how you're going to treat me, then just go ahead and kill me. Be careful what you ask for, by the way, too. I mean, you can be honest with God, but don't go too far. I think, I think Moses kind of, he stepped over into some weird territory here, complaining to God. If I have found favor in your eyes, then, then do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Here's what I love about God. The Bible already told us he's angry at the people. He probably wasn't too thrilled with Moses' action either. We're always thankful that Pastor Don is not God. Because if I'm God, those people are in big trouble. And if, and if I'm God, Moses' complaint, I'm going to be God and look right at him and say, who, who am I? Am I your mama? <laughs> I'm going to reply with sarcasm. I love what God does. God simply replies with a wonderful resolve. Here's what he says. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. I don't want to get too far into this, but we're talking about the Old Testament time period where the Holy Spirit did not reside inside of people. It only rested on them when it was bestowed upon them. God gave them the spirit that rested on them, but it could be removed. Totally different. We're in a new covenant now. The spirit is given to you as a deposit, a guarantee. He resides in you and you cannot lose it. But then it would rest on a leader for an appointed time. Remember Saul? Remember when God appointed Saul king? The spirit rested on him, but then God removed that spirit. And he's got to lead over a million people with no spirit of God on his life. That'd be awful. No wonder why Saul went nuts. He went crazy trying to lead without any God power. Dave, trying to build a school with no God power. Wouldn't that be awful? So that's what we have happening here. God said, okay, Moses, uh, you feel all alone? Then I'm going to take some of that off of you and we're going to spread the, the, the load out. That's what God said. 
They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow and when you will eat, meat. The Lord heard when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat meat. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five days or 10 or 20, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? All right, so God is going to provide something other than manna and they're going to choke on that too. I think one thing God knows in our complaints, he does know that we have complaining hearts. We're hard-hearted people at times. You can always go to God with your request. You can always go to God with your complaints. But sometimes God knows what's best. He's not always going to give you what you want, but he promises to give you what you need. So he's going to give a little lesson here. They're going to have meat, but it's going to come out their nostrils. Have you ever been with somebody and told a joke while they're drinking milk? I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do is make somebody laugh and spray out their nose. I love that. Then, let's see, but Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish of the sea were caught for them? The Lord answers Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Leave that on the screen. Leave it there. This is what I call an anchor verse. This is how missionaries go to Africa and feel that that God's impressing upon them a direction. And this is when a missionary has a thought in his mind, if we could build schools. Am I qualified? Probably not. Do I have the funds? No way. Is this going to take time, effort, blood, sweat? Absolutely. Should I do it? Yes. Yes. And that's the question today. How do you make that call in your life? Do I change jobs? Do I move to another town? There's so many things that we struggle with knowing the best thing to do. The best thing you could do is know God. And the anchor verse here I'll give all of you today is when God says, is my arm or are my arms too short? I love that answer from God. See, Moses immediately went to, we're going to feed these people? Thousands of people? We're going to feed them? There's not enough livestock. We can't catch that many fish. He's immediately going to what he knows and what he can do. And that's our big mistake. If you're living in the comfortable and never asking for the divine, you'll never move out in faith. So God says to Moses, are my arms too short? That I can't do this? You ever see that, uh, what is that big dinosaur with the small hand? You ever see that? Yeah, the T-Rex. I always think of that, you know, mighty, mighty T-Rex, tiny little arms. Do we think our God is almighty, but yet his reach isn't able to reach us? God says, are my arms too short? I I love that question. That's an anchor verse you can anchor a lot of your decisions on. Do you trust God? Is he able? The answer for that has to be yes. Charles Spurgeon said, if you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. 
The basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold my will into his. When your will is God's will, you will have your will. God's plans for you are better than the plans you have for yourself. That is a good quote. Don't try to bend God's will to yours. Know God and live that life. That's the first point. The second point is this. After we learn God's word and have an anchor verse for decision making, we got to seek godly counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Guess what, believer? If you're having a difficulty and you don't know what to do, you don't know how to make a decision, you can call upon the elders of the church. We can pray with you. You can come to the pastor. We can pray with you. You can find other godly people in this church. We've got godly men and women who are full of godly wisdom. Seek guidance. It's good to ask many counselors. But again, I hope we none of us tell you what to do. Seek godly counsel. Third thing, pray. But prayer is not just talking to God about what you want. Prayer is stopping and listening. One thing in our prayer series that I want to bring up is that you need to take time to pray, but also take time in silence. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. If you're waiting on God for some kind of clarity or some kind of an answer, stop long enough to listen. Stop long enough to listen. Have you ever got on the phone with somebody that doesn't know that, they, that you're supposed to take turns? Yeah. Have you ever done that? I've got certain people in my life that I do call. Every once in a while I call maybe once a week. And I just got a habit. I just put it on speakerphone and I put the phone down and I sit there and drink coffee. Because they just... And they end every sentence with the word, and... And they just talk nonstop. I think God in heaven feels that with our communication to him. It's to him, to him, to him, not with him. Be still and know that I am God. Pray, but prayer is, is talking, but it's also listening. Those three things are key to making big decisions. Learn God's word, seek godly counsel, and pray. But how can I know what's best? I'm going to ask two questions today. Write these down. Make sure you write them in your notes. How, how can I know what's best? Okay, PD, I, I promise I'll, I'll read God's word. I'll ask people for wisdom and I'll pray about it where I'm listening. But then what two questions must I ask myself about a decision? These are going to be real helpful. Number one, is wisdom killing my trust in God? Is wisdom, it's in quotes, because wisdom would say, don't build a school, Dave. How many buildings you got to build? You're, you're, you're on your third and you've got more to build? Wisdom would probably tell Dave, Dave, you're spending a lot of money with no guarantee that this thing's going to float. So you got to be careful that wisdom, and, and when people tell you to make a list of pros and cons, I mean, that's really not the best way to make a decision. You can do that kind of a thing, but Where's God in that? Where's the X factor in that? Make your list of pros and cons. But then God would say, are my arms too short? For Dave in Africa, he's got a mountain-sized task. Well, he's got a mountain-sized God. Are his arms too short? No. No. So is wisdom killing my trust in God? But here's the second question you ought to ask. Is my trust in God disregarding all wisdom? So, okay... If you're tracking me today, you're, you've got to say, Pastor, you're not helping. Everybody say it. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is a message that I know that when we're done with, I've actually said nothing. <laughs> what a great message. 
How do I know? You're like, you brought me right back to where I was. I want to have Dave type faith and I want to do great things. And so I'm just going to step out there and do crazy stuff. Well, are you blaming God for something he never asked you to do? Are you disregarding all wisdom? Because that's not good either. Go back to point number two. Many counselors. So where am I at? Well, know God if you want to know what's best. Secondly, how do I, how do I make the choice? Well, you know, ask yourself, is wisdom, worldly wisdom or, or man's wisdom, is it keeping me from trusting in God? And, and is my trust in God foolishness? I've seen both, friends. I've seen both. Everything I've given you today, I haven't said much, but everything I've given you today is what you need to make big decisions. If anybody comes to me and says, uh, PD, I've just, I've made a decision. I believe God is telling me to leave my family and my children. I'm going to say, no, he's not. God never tells you to do something against his word. He's not going to tell you to sin in order to do some great big thing. So you follow God's word. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you there are some times when I would say, no, don't do that. I'm going to tell you a little secret. I've had people come in and give me scenarios and say, what, what should I do? And I've told them what I'm telling you today. I don't know. You, you need to go to God's word. You need to ask many people and you need to pray about this. And God will tell you, not me. I'm not your priest. I'm your pastor. I'm one of you. You can go directly to the throne room of God. I've had people that put out scenarios, and I've listened to them for a half hour in my office, and we prayed together afterward, held their hands, and said, God, help them with this. And then I go home, and I said, yeah, I was just meeting with so-and-so at church. They got a decision to make. There's no way they're going to do it. There's just no way they'll do that. I know what they're going to do. I just know people so well. They're definitely going to do this. And then a week later, they come to me and say, Pastor, thank you. I I did it. (gasps) I go home and tell my wife, whoa, they actually did it. No way did I think they were going to do that. And it was the right thing. I tell you that because don't ask me to make your choices for you. I'll probably blow it. Because God doesn't tell me the direction for your life. He will lead you. He will lead you. Making the final call. So here it is. Finally going to say something. Everybody say, PD, say something. Here it comes. This is the deepest wisdom you're going to get today. So all of it said and done. You're going to know God's word. You're going to ask godly counsel. You're going to pray. You're going to ask yourself, is wisdom keeping me from trusting in God? And is my trust in God just simple foolishness, lacking all wisdom? And then here's what you got to do. You ready to write it down? Make a decision. You make a choice. You're like, that didn't help. What? Just make a choice. I golf. Not well, but I golf. And in golf, there's something called paralysis of analysis. The golf swing is an amazing thing. There's so many things that could go wrong in a swing. You could come over the top. You could come too far from the inside. Your club could be twisted up or down or back or right and left or right. And everything you do in your golf swing will affect where that golf ball goes. And the more you know about the golf swing, the more you're paralyzed in fear about that very thing. And so when I stand over a golf ball, my father-in-law is a PGA teaching pro. He knows golf inside and out. And when I stand over a golf ball, my brain's like, 
Mostly it's saying there's water out there, don't hit it in there, which you know that the golf ball's saying, I'm going to go over there. You know it's going to happen. And, and sometimes I'll stand over a golf ball and my mind's going so fast thinking about so many things that I can't, I can't, I can't swing because I'm thinking, oh no, oh no. And I grip the club tighter and tighter. And my father-in-law's like, never grip the club tight. You grip it like an open tube of toothpaste. So then I'm worried that I'm gripping it too tight. I'm gripping it too loose. I'm, I'm thinking, what if I, and the club fly, so many bad thoughts, bad thoughts. And I don't do anything. It's called a paralysis of analysis. Can I just free you up today as a believer? Maybe you need to hear this more than anything. Make a decision. Pray a prayer like this. God, I'm doing this or I'm not doing this because I trust you. If it's wrong, I trust you will show me. If it's right, I trust you will show me. I'm trusting you with the outcome. You're like, PD, you still haven't told us. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what choice to make. But I want to free you up to know this very thing. You're a child of God. Don't have paralysis of analysis. Don't be foolish. But don't live without trusting in a great big God. I've met Christians who've said, God has one exact thing in mind for your life. And it's almost like we make God with this big Easter egg hunt, right? Like the will of God is a hidden thing that I've got to find. I don't think it's true. God's will in your life, I don't think it's hidden at all. College seniors thinking about where you should go to college. I don't know where you should go to college, but make a choice. Is there one college that if I don't get to that college, my life is ruined forever and God will punish me? No, I don't, I don't believe that's true. As a child of God, I don't think God's will for your life is an Easter egg hunt. I look at it as a road we're on. And, and I'm going to tell you this morning, on this wonderful road that God has for us, there's a lot of choices you could make. You could go to Cornerstone, which we did good. I don't know about you, but man, I found my wife there. You took yours there. Yeah. Would I have been okay if I'd gone to Cedarville? Yeah. Do you think making a choice as a believer to follow God, he's going to punish you for a lifetime because you picked the wrong choice on this road? Now listen to me here. Eyeballs here as I close. On the road, there's a ditch over here and there's a ditch over there. What I'm telling you today is, Avoid the ditches. The ditches go against God's word. The choice to go off the road is a bad one. Don't go there. But on the road, make a decision. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. When I got these shoes, I didn't stop and pray. God, I want a pair of brown shoes. Is it at JCPenney? Or God... I didn't spend a week in prayer. You know what I did? I went out and bought the shoes. Now, if God in heaven was like, oh, they were supposed to be black shoes. Doomed! <laughs> Who do you serve? I, I think that's what God kind of wanted to say to Moses. Like, Mom, Mom, Moses, chill. We're on a road. There are choices to make. Like, can I just de-stress you maybe? That if you're following God and loving God, if you've got that, 
then you make choices. And you pray, God, if this is wrong, show me. And if I'm on the right path, I'm going to keep building buildings. <laughs> right, David? We're going to keep building buildings. I'm trusting in God. Asking Him to bless. And you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Uh, it's not my original idea. Augustine said it. Love God and do whatever you please. Everybody be like, oh, did he just say that? Yes. Don't forget part one. Love God. Everybody say love God. And do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Can I tell you today, I know it's a frustrating message and I know you would like to have heard more. But I did the right thing today. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I am going to tell you how to get there. Know God's word. Ask godly people. Pray and listen to God. And then ask yourself, is, is my wisdom keeping me from trusting in God? Wisdom would have told Dave never to do that. But trust in God trumped that. And then you also have to say, is my trust in God making me do foolish things that God never said to do? And then you've got to make the choice. You make the choice. I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. But you make the decision. Amen? I'll ask the team to come up and close this prayer, and I'm going to pray you out this morning. And, and it is a communion day, so they're going to close with a blessing. So we'll send you out not only with a blessing, but a benediction this morning. And I do pray that God's best for you. Let me pray with you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray today that you would guide your children. God, that we would be a people totally going after you, loving you with everything we've got, our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Loving people more than we love ourselves. And in that, God, the parameters of the road we're on, help us to just make choices and decisions in full, complete trust and honor to you. The Bible says in all you do, every choice, God, I pray that we would bring honor to you. Help us to be people that are living more in trust, more and more every day, leaning on your great long arms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand and sing the blessing with us today?